It is Wednesday, September 21st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. All rise. Aaron Judge hits home run number 60. Does admitting a mistake make it any less painful? Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. Welcome into Straight Out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Nick Chubb admits his error cost them the game against the Jets. Aaron Judge, home run number 60. Is this the most impressive season we've ever seen? Are the Jets going to have a decision to make at quarterback in the next couple of weeks? Everyone loves the 2-0, 0-2 NFL conversation. What is the Vegas lead? I'm going to be selfish here because I'm the New Yorker agent. I think this is the way so, to go anyway. It's got to be Aaron Judge. It has to be. Aaron Judge hits home run number 60, not overshadowed by Giancarlo Stanton's uh, game-winning grand slam. Yeah, walk-off grand slam. Who cares about that? Number 60 for Aaron Judge, the ninth 60-plus home run season in Major League history. Aaron Judge now tied with Babe Ruth. Here's the 3-1. That was uh, Michael K. with the call on the Yes Network. I think we have to acknowledge that this isn't just about the home runs. This is one of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. And and I'm not doing the, the Otani Judge MVP debate here. I just want to acknowledge that Aaron Judge leads all of Major League Baseball in home runs, RBIs, runs, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS plus, total bases, extra base hits, and wins above replacement. I think the craziest thing is, looking at the home run numbers, he's got 60 now. The next closest player in baseball has 39, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. That's that's insane. Who's got the next most in the American League? Uh, Jordan Alvarez, 37. <laughs> it's, it's a, I mean, it's a runaway. It's, it's pretty wild, to be honest. And I, I said, you know what? Let me look back at that 1927 Babe Ruth season. And I knew, I mean, obviously Lou Gehrig is one of the greatest hitters of all time, too. So Babe Ruth had 60 that year. Lou Gehrig had 47. The next closest guy had 30. So, I mean, it's it's similar. Like, the drop-off is similar from what Aaron Judge – and this is in an era where everybody hits home runs. Aaron Judge just running away with the home run crown. Remember, we were giving out the odds for a while because DraftKings and other sports books were running promos on will Aaron Judge hit 60-plus home runs. Or they would – I'm thinking the, yes now. Yeah, they would set the over-under at 60-and-a-half. And there was a time where – you could have gotten plus money. I remember we were on straight out of Vegas, and RJ even gave it as one of the leads to start the show that Aaron Judge was on pace mathematically to hit over 60 home runs, and yet you could have gotten plus money on the yes 
that he would have hit over 60. Why do you think there was this sentiment that he wasn't going to do it? Maybe people. I think people were worried about injury. I think I think injury concern was what it what it boiled down to. Because he's a guy who's consistently been hurt throughout his career. Or, or maybe they just wouldn't pitch to him. I think that's a possibility too. I think that's so interesting that he doesn't get walked on a level like we saw, you know, Barry Bonds get walked, or or even other really ridiculous home run hitters get walked. I think it's because he strikes out a ton. Yeah, which Barry Bonds didn't do. Barry Bonds didn't swing and miss. Yeah, I've given that stat out before, right? I mean, he he got intentionally walked more times than he swung and didn't make contact with the baseball. That's how ridiculous he was. But Aaron Judge has struck out 159 times this year. That's sixth most in all of Major League Baseball. But that's the sport that we watch now. That's Major League Baseball in 2022. It's strikeouts and home runs. And there was a time where strikeouts were frowned upon. Now no one cares. You use that uppercut swing. You use that launch angle. You got to beat the shift. Now, maybe it changes next year when the shift is outlawed. But for right now, no one cares about strikeouts. And so as long as Aaron Judge carries that high strikeout number. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned Kyle Schwarber, who is the second leading home run hitter in baseball. He has the he has the most home run, no, most strikeouts in Major League Baseball, 183. So it's swing for the fences. And if you strike out, no one cares. And as long as you keep striking out, it's going to help you hit more home runs because they're going to keep pitching to you because the number 159 is greater than 60, which means I got a better chance of striking you out than giving up a home run yeah. to you. And so why would I intentionally walk you and put you on base when I got a better chance of striking you out? It's, there, there's not really uh, – I don't think there's an argument against it. So that's why he's going to hit more. Yeah. Because he's going to get pitched to. Yeah. It's, listen, this, what, what the guy's doing is unprecedented, particularly in this day and age mm-hmm. where the guys who hit home runs don't hit 316, 320, whatever they're hitting. It just doesn't happen anymore. So I, I think this season, the more I've looked at it, it, it goes into it's if you look at the 60 home run seasons that have happened in history and, and there's like I said this is number nine the only two that are in the conversation for overall as good of a season as this is Barry Bonds in 2001 and Babe Ruth in 1927 and he'll pass him in home runs some of the other stats he's not going to pass Babe Ruth had 165 RBI that year and hit 356. Like they, so, but as far as overall offensive seasons, it, it like most of those Maguire and Sosa seasons, they they weren't great, you know, batting average. They they weren't great hitting mm-hmm. seasons. They were great home run seasons, but that was kind of it. This is a great offensive season overall. And I, like I said, I I'd put it probably third all time. Well, uh, amongst these seasons that have gone over 60 home runs. Here's what we know. Xander Bogarts went 0 for 2 against the Cincinnati Reds on Tuesday night, dropping his batting average to 315. And so right now, Aaron Judge's 316 batting average leads the American League, meaning that he is, right now if the season ended today, your triple crown winner in the American League.
Impressive, something man. that has not happened since Miguel Cabrera did it. And prior to that, we're talking what, Carl Yastrzemski? Yeah. It's right. yeah it's, it's... The Triple Crown is extremely no rare doubt. in Major League Baseball. It's an incredible season. incredible Overall, incredible season. But just it's, it's fascinating how far the gap is between him and everybody else. So, and kudos the Yankees to him. still haven't paid him. I mean, you talk about a guy betting on himself. <laughs> is, this, is this the greatest free agent season you've ever seen? I think it has to be. Well, we're talking. It's, we're, we're getting records here. So yeah, I mean, is there, has there ever been a, a like I said, player I, going into free agency that has set all time records? Like, like I said, I don't believe Barry Bonds in two thousand one was a free agent, and, <laughs> no. I, and I don't believe Babe Ruth in but across all sports, was. Across all sports, is this the best free agent season? Boy, I'd have to give it some thought. I mean, maybe maybe there's an NBA season. The NFL doesn't let you become a free agent like that. Like, if you're having seasons like that, it's because the franchise tag and things like things like those, it's impossible to become a free agent. So I, it would have to be the NBA. But no major league season's ever been this good, I don't think. I'm just trying to think in the NBA, has there ever been a player that has had an incredible run prior to being a free agent. And I guess you can look at what LeBron's final season in uh, Cleveland before he goes to Miami. That probably would be the only one, right? If you look at LeBron James's his stats, but and and look, he wins the MVP every, he could be the MVP every year. Sure. So LeBron's last year in Cleveland before going to Miami, I mean, he didn't even put up career numbers. He had better numbers, but still at 39 um what do you have uh, points per game 29.7 so kind of I mean, kind of high compared to, I mean 30 was I think his highest or 30.3 uh last year but yeah I mean he was coming off a uh, 20 at that point yeah at that point it wasn't even his highest so no I can't even say LeBron I don't know this might be the greatest season of any athlete going into free agency it's hard to argue and I mean obviously Barry Bonds when he had free free agency in 92. He wasn't putting up these kind of numbers. No. Yet. Yeah, it's pretty tough, man. You know what? I'll give you one. It's a pitcher, so it's not apples to apples. When Randy Johnson came to Houston via trade, it was his last season before, or like he played out his contract in Houston, mm-hmm. and he was ten and one with like a, a one point two ERA in Houston, which was just he was unhittable. Maybe him. Maybe him, and he goes on to the Diamondbacks, wins the World Series. But but again, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to compare. But it wasn't record breaking like no. this one. And I'm just trying to think like the most impactful, the biggest free agent signings of all time. It it and it's that's not even close. I mean, he would be the. This is the greatest season going into free agency. I think it has to be. All right, Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns has come out and publicly said, I made a mistake that cost us the game. Does this make you feel any better about Nick Chubb? Who had, you know, the history says he's not really sure what to do in these situations. And Mackenzie Rivers and I were talking about that, the end game there and what the winning percentages were. And I said, I believe when Nick Chubb scores, the winning percentage should have gone down. McKenzie, what did the numbers say? It went from 99.6 to 99.7. It's slightly increased, which, as we discussed, makes even less sense when you look at the extra point 
he goes to 99.8 when he misses it. Yeah, so it makes no sense. you've said before, once you get up into the 99 percentile, like you get to that top percent, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, when it's over 1 in 200 that the team's going to win, just throw out those numbers. It's, it's a lot to a little. That's all we really know. This blew my mind. Uh, in the last four seasons, it's hard for me to think of a game that got blown worse than this. This was the fourth most unlikely win per fourth quarter win share, which is a pregame stat. Dallas and Atlanta in week two of 2020, that 40-39 to 39 game, was more unlikely. Denver and the Chargers, 31-30 to 30 in 2020. It was week eight was, was less likely. And then 2018 Chargers Chiefs, 29-28 was less likely. That one was at 12%. That was the least likely win uh, of all of them in the database. But this, I think this takes the cake because it's the decision by Nick Chubb here that changes everything. There's a minute 55 left in the game when he scores that touchdown. The Jets have no timeouts remaining. If he falls down at the one-yard line and takes a knee, which, by the way, two years ago, <laughs> this he is the funny did part. that two well, years ago. Two years ago, he stepped out of bounds, Still, he which isn't the, the right answer. He iced the game, though. Two years ago, he iced the game. And remember, it was a huge deal in fantasy football. Right? It was Nick Chubb uh, could have scored the touchdown, but instead he stepped out of bounds. If he goes down at the one-yard line here, the Browns take three knees and the game is over. The Jets don't even get the ball back. So are you saying that this year Nick Chubb, draft, he drafted himself? Either that or he had the over. I that was something. He bet the it over in the something. game. <laughs> something. But no, like, what has changed? Do you think that Stefanski was the coach back then? No. Here's, so, here's what I believe. I believe He's more selfish now. No, I really do believe in the heat of the moment. Sometimes you're you don't have time to think. Oh, this is that fog time. of war. This is when I'm supposed to go down. Like, I think it's very difficult. I, I think that these guys are in there smashing bodies. Your instinct as a running back, you see the you see that painted part of grass. That's the part you're trying to jump into, and I think that the adrenaline of it all just took over and. He made a mistake. I made a mental error. I guess you can say that the only difference from two years ago was that when he stepped out of bounds at the one-yard line, it was a 59-yard run. So he was out in the open and probably had a lot of time to think about it. A lot, yeah, even though it's happening in milliseconds in his mind, he's probably like, I game's over. Game how long, over. Hey, think about how long it would take you to run 59 yards. Oh, a lot longer than it yeah. takes Chubb. <laughs> So <laughs> I don't, might not make it 59 yards. So he's thinking to himself, game's over, step out of bounds, game's over, we got this, let's celebrate. When he's running from the 12-yard line, breaking a couple of tackles, I think he's just thinking, don't tackle me, and he just runs into the end zone. He's not thinking about going down at the one-yard line there. And it's a, I mean, it ends up being a bad beat for the Browns, who could be 2-0. and you know, and would we be thinking about them differently if they started two and zero without Deshaun Watson? Would we be talking about oh, once Desha- once Deshaun gets back, this is a real contender? I I just don't have that feeling about the Browns now. And mind you, they played two coin flip games against bad teams. They won one and lost one, so maybe it shouldn't make you feel any kind of way. But because if you're flipping coins with bad teams, if you're flip if you're flipping coins with the Panthers and the Jets and splitting. You're probably the Panthers and the Jets. Yeah. You know, like you're in that group. Yeah. yeah. And none of us think, oh, the Panthers, they could turn this thing around real quick. Nobody's thinking that way. Nobody's thinking about the Jets. But it is interesting that that's the that decision keeps them from being two and zero. 
Jets are the first team in 21 years to overcome a 13-point deficit in the last two minutes of a game. That's absolutely wild. I'm glad you brought up the 2-0 conversation around the Cleveland Browns because we like to have, just like every NFL fan likes to have, the 2-0-0-2 conversation. What is the 2-0-0-2 conversation? Well, we have the stats. And the NFL gives these out. It's all over social media. It's talked about on every talk show across the country. After week two, you can evaluate. Teams that start the season 2-0 make the playoffs 63% of the time. Teams that go 0-2 make the playoffs 11.3% of the time. How much do you think this has changed since we go to the 17-game schedule? Like, should, And obviously we have one year of data, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be like telling. But – do you think a 17th game makes that 2-0 and or 0-2 less important than it used to be? I think the extra wild card game makes a difference. Okay. The extra wild card team, excuse me, makes a difference. Because th- think about this, where since 1990, and this is prior to this season, of the 165 teams that have started 2-0, or excuse me, of the 262 teams that have started 2-0, 165 of them have made the playoffs. That's 63%. Of the one of the, what is it, the, the, the teams that didn't make the playoffs that started 0-2, so of the remaining teams, how many of them would have made the playoffs if there was another wild card? You see, that's the breakdown I would love to find out. Which of those teams would have made the playoffs had there been another wild card. I think that's the research to do. Uh, and obviously the 2-0 and o teams right now, Dolphins, Bills, uh, the Chiefs in the AFC, Eagles, Giants, and Bucks in the NFC. And I think we can say with certainty, you know, some of these teams you'd say have a much better than 66% chance of making the playoffs. The Bills, yes. The Eagles, the, the Eagles, Bucks. Yes, the Bucks, the Chiefs. yes. The Chiefs, yes. Uh, I'd but, even give the Dolphins, uh, based on what I've seen from them, I think I'd give them a higher percentage. Well, the Giants, as we talked about yesterday, seem to be, well, if you said one of these things is not like the other, <laughs> the Giants feel like that team. Let's go back to yesterday and close out that conversation. Do we upgrade the New York Football Giants? I, I mean, I the two and zero. They are two and zero, tied for first place. New York Football Giants, uh, it, it, with a plus four margin. <laughs> so, they, but two and zero is two and zero. It's funny because it, it, the the win over the Titans. Almost it doesn't look, it doesn't look as good now because the Titans got blown out. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, blown out against the Bills. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the Giants are a good story. I here was my belief coming into this season. I didn't know if Brian Dayball would be a good coach. I, I thought he would be, mm-hmm. but his track record before he got with Josh Allen, and clearly the Bills have not skipped a beat. No, without. they're okay without Brian. They're Dayball. okay. Yeah, but. I said, if Brian Dayball, if you, if you flip a coin and half the time he's a good coach, half the time he's a bad coach, I think he's all, whatever he is, he he's probably 85, 15 to be better than Joe Judge was. Yeah, so it was, it was like, even if he, if he mostly stinks, he's probably still an upgrade. 
So I did think the Giants would be better. Did I think they'd be 2-0? and No. Did, by the way, their next two games, home games against the Cowboys, which they're favored in, and the Bears, which they will be favored in, if the Giants go 4-0, and maybe we have this conversation right now. I'm not ready to buy into them as much of anything. Or what are you thinking? Are you thinking they are now a, a, a playoff contender? Here's what I will say. <laughs> Teams that start the season 2-0 since 1990 have made the playoffs 63% of the time. Wow. Well. And the Giants are in that position right now, starting the season 2-0. This is wild because... Their schedule is also very friendly. Well, we know it's the easiest schedule in the NFL. Now, the Eagles look better than we thought at the beginning of the season. Sure. You've got to play them twice. So let's leave that to the side. I mentioned Cowboys. Well, we know the Cowboys. We know the Commanders. The Bears, Jags, Seahawks, Texans, Lions are all on their schedule. And a game against the Colts. Who, who knows what the Colts are now? So there's a lot of winnable games here. I still don't know if this is real. I still don't know if if Daniel Jones can keep, you know, winning these games that are coin flip games. Mm-hmm. And but let's face it, both these games so far have been coin flip games. Yeah, the 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 coin has landed heads for them twice, which is nice. Will it keep happening? I don't know. Would it shock me if they lost to the Cowboys this week? Absolutely not. So, are you on record saying the Giants are a playoff team? The odds to make the playoffs right now for the Giants, the yes is plus 110. The no is minus 140. But I just gave you the stats. So are 60, you yes? 63% of the teams that start 2-0 and make the playoffs. Are you yes? I think that they have a 63% chance to make the playoffs, which if I had to bet it now at the plus 110, based on the odds, plus 110 indicates a lot less than 63%. So I'll take the yes at plus 110. Okay, so how do we settle this? Let's bring in R.J. Bell and get his take on the New York football Giants. How good are the Giants? Now, Scott is very interested. He's a fan. Some would say a fanatic. And I don't have great news for him. But some would say, you know, R.J., you shouldn't maybe – Bursts bubble. And I'm like, I like bursting bubbles. So let's do it. Now, first off, let's give credit to the Giants for two wins. They got two wins. You're never going to take those away. But when we look forward, when we look to see what the past tells us about the future, you got to say how much of that was luck because we don't expect luck to repeat itself, especially with the Giants. It never seems to, at least for a long, well, I guess. You know, kind of lucky with Eli, but still, the Jets I'm thinking more of there. But still, luck for no one really repeats itself. Now, in the first game, amazing comeback by the Giants, but they had only a 26% chance to win that game based upon our pregame.com fourth quarter win share, which assesses your chance throughout the fourth quarter, weights it more towards the end, and it tells you, hey, if some erratic, strange thing happens unexpected at the end of the game like it did in the Giants yeah you get the win in week one but it's not like you controlled the game or the fourth quarter now in week two 59% chance to win so better than a coin flip but not much so now you add up both of those it's less than one earn one win 
by fourth quarter win share. So they should be more one and one. Now, and I think we know that maybe even less, you know, like point eight and one or, you know, versus one point two. But let's call them one and one. But maybe even though they got lucky in that first game, the underlying stats are better. And in some ways they are on defense. You should feel pretty good as a Giants fan. EPA says 14th and the success rate says 17th. Okay. Now, if you go to the offense, though, here's where there's a disparity. 21st in EPA, but 31st next to last in success rate on offense. Why? Or what does it mean? Well, success rate tells you yes or no was the play successful. It doesn't matter if it's an 80-yard run or a 7-yard gain on third and six. Both of those are successful plays. Now, in the short term, success rate's a better measure because it kind of removes the lucky plays in the short term, like a long run. And if you look at Barkley, a guy that can do that, he's played pretty darn well, especially week one. But how long can we expect him to keep his health, to keep it 100%? History says not for long. So you wrap it all up, defense is about average, and that's probably better than we expected. The offense, I think it's going to move towards the bottom of the league. That's what the numbers tell me. That's what I believe. Back to the boys. Anything different than what you expected? No, I knew he was going to be against me, but the point that I was making is not that the Giants are a lock to make the playoffs, but if you looked at their odds to make the playoffs based on history, which is that 2-0 and record that I gave you, compared to the betting odds on them to make the playoffs, which is yes at plus 110, the yes at plus 110 is a value bet because it's much less implied odds than what history tells us. That's all I'm saying. I think that's fair. That's a fair evaluation. Let's stick in New York here for a second. Boy, it feels like we're doing a New York podcast because we had the Yankees, Aaron Judge. We talked about the Giants. And now this is not a New York podcast. Uh, Don't just, worry. Uh, I'm just, it just feels like it. Yesterday on the show, when we were talking about Tua, you brought up the top passers in the NFL through the first two weeks of the season. Do you want to go ahead and read that list again? Yeah. Tua. Yep, Tua. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Joe Flacco. That's your top three in passing yards. Joe Flacco, the third most passing yards in the NFL through two weeks. Also the third highest graded quarterback per PFF through two weeks. Are we at a situation where the Jets have to make a decision? I I know you want to – Zach Wilson, when he's healthy, he's your quarterback of the future. Do the Jets at this point, who they're one and one now, do they say, hey, I know you're playing really well, Joe, but we got to go back to Zach? Or do you keep trying to win football games? Joe Flacco has been better in these two games than Zach Wilson's ever been. Joe Flacco, through two games, well, it's two games, 39.8 QBR, good for 22nd in the league. Last year, Zach Wilson's QBR, 33.4. <laughs> PFF grade through two weeks, Joe Flacco, 75.8. Third best in the league, like I said. Zach Wilson last year, 59.3. 33rd in the league. Out of, out of 32 starting quarterbacks, he was 33rd. <laughs> yards per game, 308 yards passing per game for Flacco. Third in the league. Zach Wilson, 
179.5, 30th in the league. This kind of brings the same question that we had about the 49ers. When do you say we got to play for the future? The 49ers, that question's not on the table anymore. But with the Jets, it will be. When Zach Wilson's back and healthy, the Jets will have to decide. Joe Flacco looks like a better quarterback in 2022 than Zach Wilson is. Do the Jets care? Do they play Zach Wilson anyway? I think right now what Joe Flacco has done is allowed the Jets to not force Zach Wilson to come back. And everything that they're saying, remember, we uh, if you remember before the season, it was, oh, it's going to be four weeks. It's going to be four weeks. Well, four weeks would be the game going coming up against the Steelers on October 2nd. Well, Robert Salah talked to the media this week and didn't commit to him, to him meeting Zach Wilson, playing against the Steelers. He just kind of said, you know, that's the earliest that we've said in the timeline, but, you know, he's progressing and we're going to give him time and, and see how he can do. And then he went on to praise Joe Flacco because the media obviously asking questions about Joe Flacco's performance. So I think we know that Flacco is going to start here against the Bengals. We can probably assume he's going to start at the Steelers. If the Jets are 2-2 two and two and Zach Wilson comes back, does Zach Wilson start at home against the Dolphins? Or do you give him another week and then if you're 2-3, and three, do you go to Zach Wilson on the road against the Packers? Or if you're 3-2, and two, maybe you stick with Flacco. I mean, do you, uh, and do you want Zach Wilson's first game to be against the Packers? Like on the it, road. It in doesn't Lambo. seem ideal for a guy who clearly you need to build his confidence back and up. And then on the road in Denver. And then at home against the Patriots. And then at home against the Bills. And then on the road against the Patriots. Or did he just, I mean, listen, he may have just been Wally Pipped. Uh, while we're while we're on New York, yeah, he may have just been Wally Pipped, and Joe Flacco plays until uh, until he's not the guy. Anymore. Listen, it's happened before. Injury leads to opportunity. Jimmy G is now the starting quarterback of the 49ers because Trey Lance is hurt. Even if Trey Lance is healthy at the end of the season and is able to come back, the 49ers are a playoff team. Trey Lance's job is gone. Might be gone. We had this conversation yesterday. Might be gone forever. Yeah. Zach Wilson, it's only year two. But if Joe Flacco remains the starting quarterback for this season, what's the future of Zach Wilson with the Jets? I mean, Zach Wilson, I guess, still has some some trade value. Or you just sit on him and see what what happens. I mean, because Joe Flacco— He's like, not your future. No, he's not your—well, Zach Wilson, you mean? Or no, Joe, Flacco. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's clearly not your future. So next year— the roster's a little bit better. Maybe Zach Wilson improves. And like, I don't know that you have to throw him all the way out. But sir, but here's the other thing. If you can't beat out Joe Flacco, the Jets need to start thinking about the future again. They need to start thinking about who's their next crack at, at the future. Because if it's not Zach, if Zach Wilson can't beat out Joe Flacco, he's not good enough to be a franchise quarterback. I think it comes down to a business decision. And the Jets will make that business decision to play Zach Wilson when he's healthy. I think that's the, and I, the only. I think way, that's what happened. I'm not saying it's right. Way he doesn't is if the Jets beat the Bengals and the Steelers, and are somehow three and one when they host the Dolphins on October 9th. And if they are three and one, I think then you have to you, you have to stick have with to Flacco, stick with it until it doesn't work. But two and two, even and that's the best. 
Well, I, I can't see them beating both the Bengals and Steelers, but then they could. They could. I, I'll tell you what, the Bengals are going to be probably the most popular survivor pick this week. I think so. Every, an 0-2 Bengals team. Yeah. There's no chance the Bengals go 0-3. So they're going to be the most popular survivor pick this yep. week. That's why I'll stay away from them and hope the Jets pull the upset so we can have a little game theory here in week three. But if the Jets somehow beat the Bengals and the Steelers, then when Zach Wilson's ready, you can't, you can't play him. you got to go with the winning hand. Speaking of jobs, AJ, we briefly mentioned this on yesterday's show. I want to revisit it today. The odds on the first head coach to be fired in the NFL. And the favorite is Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers. Rightfully so. Uh, Matt Rule has been dreadful. If you look at the last 17 games, so if you just say, hey, these are the last seven, the last season of football that you've played, the Panthers, 3-14, and 14, straight up and against the spread. And really, like it, it, the 17th game was a win. Yep. So, like, in their last 16, they're 2-14. and 14. So, it, 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 if they lose this week, it gets worse. Minus 5.1 points uh, ATS margin. They are dreadful. He's, there's all these talks about... Matt Rule is going to end up being a college coach. Like, they've already given up on the idea that Matt Rule is is possibly an NFL head coach. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going to spin it in just a second. But looking at this Panthers schedule, at home against the Saints, coming up here this week, where they're a home underdog, do we expect the Saints to come into Carolina and win this football game? I think I'd give them a good chance, yeah. two-and-a-half-point favorites. You look at home against the Cardinals – they're probably going to be underdogs again the following week. If I, you know, looking at that line. In fact, I'm looking at the look ahead line right now. Cardinals minus three in that spot. Then they're home against the 49ers. We know they're going to be dogs there. Yeah. At the Rams, they're going to be dogs. Home against the Bucks, they're going to be dogs. At the Falcons, that'll be an interesting spread. That's October 30th. I think the Falcons will be favored by a point or two. Yeah, it's in Atlanta. Okay. At the Bengals, they'll be an underdog. At home against the Falcons, November 10th. That's the next time they'll be favored. That's the next time they'll be favored. At the Ravens, a dog. Home to the Broncos, a dog. At the Seahawks, cross-country trip. That's a dog. Maybe they're a dog. Okay. At home against the Steelers. They'll be a dog. Home against the Lions. Ooh, that's a tough one. And then, I guess, it, I mean, by then, who knows what these teams exactly. are. Exactly. And, so, the, and then they wrap the season at the Bucs and at the Saints. They might be a favorite only one more time. The rest of this season. Pretty wild to think about. Does he make it to the end of the season? Let's ask that question. Does Matt Rule make it to the season? I don't think there's any way. I think this team starts out 0-4, 0-5, and they just cut bait. Uh, It could be worse than that. If they lose here, if they lose to the Saints and then the Cardinals, I think they lose to the 49ers, Rams, and Bucks. So we're talking about 0-3, 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, 0-7 before they go to Atlanta for that game. I don't think Matt Ryan coaches that football game. You Matt Rule. Matt Rule. I don't think Matt Rule coaches. I, that I game. guarantee Matt Ryan will not coach that football game. Although maybe Matt Ryan should coach, <laughs> but looking at the way he's played the first two, he weeks. might. He might want to consider it. Can we, let's spin this around because you did mention that Matt Rule is being talked about for college jobs. He could be the first head coach fired by the NFL, but could he be the first coach hired for a college football job? My guess is. And now this is weird because college, they want to get these guys in as soon as possible so they can get them recruiting. 
I, my guess is that he want he at least want to take some kind of time off, but especially if he's getting paid. Yeah, but I, he may have to. He, may, I don't know. It's it's odd to me that he is so down looked looked down on as a head coach in the NFL, but he's coveted in college. Yet the stock has not taken a hit at that level. But the, it happens sometimes. Guys are just good college coaches. I mean, it happened to Nick Saban, Urban Who, Meyer. <sighs> Urban Meyer was a tremendous college football coach. Yeah, but it, it, his stock is down now from where it was a oh, year ago. Of course, ago. I'm just saying that there it's happened. It happened with Saban when he went to the Dolphins. It happened with Urban Meyer. It's happened. Pete Carroll's the only guy that has had success going from college to the NFL. Yeah. There's no other coach that you can really say that had uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, but he went in the reverse, right? Yeah. So, but, no, he went from Stanford to the 49ers. Yeah. So he had success going from college to the pros. Now he's had success back in college. What other college coach besides Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh have had success going from college to the NFL? It's been failure after uh, uh, Jimmy failure. Johnson? Okay. I mean, you're going back a ways, but yeah, yeah, Jimmy and, Johnson had yeah. some, some some real success. You're going to say Barry Switzer also? And, but I'm, well, I'm just Jimmy throwing John- it out there. They, it Jimmy exists. Johnson's team. It exists. It's Jimmy Johnson's team. But – Okay, I just I, I think more times than not the college coaches fail, and Matt Rule is going to fail out of the NFL. But I think he'll succeed wherever he goes. Whether maybe it's Nebraska, maybe it's somewhere else. But he had success at Temple, completely turned that program around, and give let's give him some credit. When he took the Baylor job, that was an impossible task. Sure, because that Baylor program was sullied through the Art Bryle scandal. Yeah. And he came in and turned the program around to the point where Dave Aranda steps in and they're an elite program. Yep. So give him credit there. Uh, but some guys are just not cut out for the NFL. It's it's easier for your voice to be heard among 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids than it is amongst men making millions. So far, this is year three of the NFL for him. He's got fewer wins now than he did in his last year at Baylor. That's not a good sign. And I don't know if he's going to pick up a win this year. I, yeah, it's going to be tough. 0-7, and, and I think he's gone. Yeah, I agree. So, Matt Rule, I, I think that it's the only way you can – you can talk about Frank Reich, and we talked about him yesterday, and, and he should have a hot seat. But Frank Reich's built up more equity – than Matt Rule has. Frank Reich is still a respected head coach in the NFL. I, if Frank Reich got fired by the Colts today, I think he could get another NFL head coaching job. I don't think Matt Rule will ever have an NFL head coaching job again because I don't think he's looked at as an NFL head coach anymore. I would agree with you. Yeah, there's no going back. So he is the rightful favorite to be the next head coach fired. Yes. One awesome thing that happened last night, you should know about today, water cooler talk, as they call it. Raul Rosas Jr., 17 years old, just won a fight on Dana White's Contender Series. Dana White awarded him a UFC contract. Now the youngest fighter on the UFC roster in history, 17 years old, went out, beat up a grown man, (laughs) and got himself a UFC contract. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Just pretty amazing thing. When will he fight in his first UFC event? Not sure. I mean, it could be any time in the next three months. Like, we see these guys, a lot of the times, their first fight in the UFC will be like a Somebody falls out of a fight. They say, hey, we need somebody in here. My guess is with him, a potential star because he because of his age. Groom him. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna treat him right. They're going to give him a favorable matchup. Uh, but I would expect to see him sometime in the next six months. 17 years old. Unbelievable. When you see his picture, it doesn't look like a 17-year-old dude. 
but he is 17. This is a major accomplishment. Congrats to him. That's pretty wild. Uh, let's get you set up with everything you need for your betting day here on Wednesday. It's time for the look ahead. We got day baseball. The Nationals take on the Braves. Paolo Espino goes for the Nationals. Bryce Elder for Atlanta. Atlanta begins the day one game back of the New York Mets for first place in the National League East. Speaking of those Mets, they have a day game as well in Milwaukee. They take on the Brewers. Adrian Hauser goes for Milwaukee. Taiwan Walker for the Mets. Mets are minus 125 road favorites. At night, you have the Red Sox taking on the Reds, and it'll be Chase Anderson getting the start for Cincinnati against Connor Seabold for the Boston Red Sox. The Cubs are in Miami to take on the Marlins. Marcus Stroman for Chicago. Jesus Lazardo for Miami. Marlins minus 120 favorites. The Houston Astros, who clinched the American League West on Monday, and on Tuesday you thought, Fade spot against Shane McClanahan and the Rays? No. Not the case. A 5-0 shutout win in Tampa. Houston minus 130 favorites here on Wednesday. Lance McCullers for the Strohs. Corey Kluber for the Rays. Blue Jays take on the Phillies. We said it was going to be a high-scoring affair on Tuesday, and boy, it was. Over 20-plus runs scored in that game. I don't think it's going to be the same here with two aces on the mound. Kevin Gosman against Zach Wheeler. Philly minus 115. Total is eight. Tigers take on the Orioles. Matt Manning against Jordan Lyles. Baltimore behind Lyles is a minus 160 favorite. Everyone wants to know when will Aaron Judge hit number 61. The Yankees take on the Pirates. They are minus 305 favorites. Luis Severino is on the mound for the Yankees. Off the 60-day IL. Rosne Contreras gets the start for the Reds, uh, the, the Pirates. This season, Rosne Contreras has allowed 10 home runs in 15 starts. AJ, does Aaron Judge hit number 61? No. I'm going to say it. it, it, it le- there's at least some drama. He may even have like a four-game skid where he doesn't hit one. Or so like, the, the stress uh-oh. is going to get to him. The ha- pressure is going to get to him. I, I, it, it just always seems to work that way. It never comes easy. Oh, he's going to need like uh, you know someone like Mickey Mantle to, to calm down Roger Maris when he was going through all the stressful moments there. Well, Mickey Mantle, is yeah. easy, it's easy to stay calm when you're yeah. drinking a fifth of booze every night. Yeah, is that just me? Is that blonde <laughs> back there? <I> got the- <laughs> Moving along, the Angels take on the Rangers. Dane Dunning for the Rangers. Going up against Tucker Davidson for the Angels. Texas minus one. 140. Guardians are at the White Sox. Chicago minus 130 with Lance Lynn on the hill against Tristan McKenzie. You got the Twins at the Royals. Bailey Obear is a minus 140 favorite against, uh, looks like Daniel Lynch going for Kansas City. The Mariners are at the A's. Robbie Ray for Seattle, minus 220 favorites against James Caprillion for Oakland. Miles Michaelis gets the start for the Cardinals in San Diego against Blake Snell and the Padres. Padres minus 125. And Madison Bumgarner on the hill for the Dynamics. Diamondbacks, the Dodgers are minus 305 favorites with Dustin May on the hill. I love the over in this matchup, eight and a half. Madison Bumgarner has had a horrific season. This dude just loves to give up runs. The Dodgers will hit him hard, and the Diamondbacks might score a little bit as well. That's the look ahead, setting the table for everything you need to know on your betting board for Wednesday. That's going to do it for another episode. Thanks to RJ Bell for coming in, taking my side. I'm I, listen. It's one to zero. We'll keep so a tally. We're, we're going to keep score now. I think we should, as long as I'm winning. Fine. So we'll keep. <laughs> keep fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we'll stop if it gets lopsided. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, we'll keep score. That's fine. Uh, and we'll 
We'll welcome in RJ. We'll welcome in Fezzik, McKenzie, everyone that contributes here at pregame and, and the Dream Pod to help us decide future arguments. That's it. That's the way it should be, <laughs> as long as I'm winning. Tune in tomorrow. We'll get you set for everything you need to start your day on Thursday. But for now, he's AJ Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great day. This is Straight Out of Vegas AM. <laughs>